Hi, everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Double Date with Dateline. Double date? Who's she dating twice? What's happening? Is it two couples? Or is it a second date? Double the fun. And this episode is super double the fun because we are, of course, with ID Network and back with the Stepford Wives. It's Kimberly's second time, but it's my first time. Oh, so it is a double date. Yeah, it is. It's my double date with the secret lives of Stepford Wives. It's great. Isn't it a fun show? I told you I wanted to do one with you. It is fun. It's real wrong. Like the information we're getting is very... Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Incorrect. I have no doubt about that. But... The way that it's done, how it's kind of supposed to be cheesy is very fun. Yeah. That's delightful. And it's a great break because in order to pick these episodes, you have to watch a lot. I think people don't understand that. And I watched a few really, really good episodes, but they were horrifically sad. Not of this series. No. You got to stick to the one. You could tell by the picture for the show. See, no, but I've been wrong. I've been burned before. I have. I picked one that literally said the words "riverboat casino" in the description, and I was like, "Oh, well, that's it." No, no, no. Something it was, terrible happened. No, it was just the way the style of the show was. You know, like in Seven when they're researching uh-huh. John Doe, the killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That vibe. Oh yeah, that scares me. So I was like, "We can't. It's not right." You can do that on a cheat date. That's just not my type. I of already thing. have done that on a cheat date. I did a very scary twins episode. Oh great! Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know how much fun you guys will have listening to it. I'm hopeful, but it's a more serious episode. (laughs) But We don't have to give them comedy gold. I don't think we've ever given them comedy. We don't have to be giving them comedy bronze every single time. That's bingo. That's true. But anyway, so what I'm trying to get to is that I did find this one show called Chaos in the Courtroom. And the first two that I watched were very sad. And then the last one was about David Copperfield. Have you seen the episode yet? No, I haven't. So I am considering covering 10 minutes of content for a double date because it's that fun. And I want to talk about magic. I think that's fine. Okay, great. I think that there are no rules here. Great. I'll try to find another one from a different episode, but I really think we should cover the David Copperfield courtroom. See, Let's do it. Okay, great. But this has nothing to do with any of that because it's Secret Lives of Stepford Wives. The episode is called Broken Heartland. I'm guessing Heartland. Get it? It is a play on words, right? Okay. And it is episode number four. So this is perfect life, perfect wife, perfect knife. What did you think of the opening segment? Here's how I would have done it. Just, I I don't want to be a jerk, but I think I probably would have done perfect life, perfect wife, perfect knife. Like quiet. And instead they got louder. Okay, you're so exaggerating. It was not like that at all. Ah, did you do the voiceover? You make it sound like Kimmy Gibbler did the line. <laughs> That's how it sounds. I think I was so surprised that they didn't make it quiet that it sounded loud to me. It is not that loud. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes. I feel like it's- but what did you think of the visuals of the opening intro? Well done. Oh, I loved that. Is it so stylized and like step? It's so Stepford Wives. I was wondering how much money it took to do it, actually. Yeah. Do you think it was expensive? Well, they have that whole street with all the SUVs pulling out at the exact the same, same time. same time, right. Yeah. Are they on walkies? I don't know. Where is that location that they're filming? They had to keep people in their houses. And if that's a real street, unless it's like on a, a lot somewhere, but hmm. it was well done. And then the grocery store scene, it's so, I just love it. Stepford. It's very good. It looks expensive and it was well worth it. 
Perfect wife. Perfect knife. <laughs> okay, that one word is a little bit louder. It's not I will that give bad. you that. It's a skosh louder. It's not that bad. I'm sorry. I think it just surprised me because <laughs> it was just not the direction that I would have gone yeah, in. Yeah, that you would have gone. But also, yeah. they could have tried it a thousand ways. And when you listen to something too many times, then you finally just land on one. You're like, just pick one, Bill. I don't care. I'm done with this. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so this case is about Susan and Jim Grund. We are in Peru, Indiana, which is about an hour away from Indianapolis. And it's the circus city. Yeah, I was upset because they they hinted that there were going to be carnies and then there were no carnies. Yeah, and how high society can the society be if you live in Circus City? Not to be confused with Circuit City. Oh, I forgot about Circuit City. Are they defunct? R.I.P. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Circuit City. Yeah. Radio Shack's gone too, right? Yeah, I think they might be gone too. Yeah. At least most locations are, if not all. Yeah, I don't know. It did seem kind of funny. This lady wants to be like the highest high society lady of ever in this town. I mean, it's a small town. She's acting like she's like in Atlanta or Manhattan or something. Or Indianapolis. Sure. Right? Just like any bigger Midwest city. I don't know. Yeah, it seemed seemed surprising to me. She's like everyone in this town of 2,000 people knows who I am. She doesn't say that, but it's kind of like that. Is it kind of the place, though, where there's like a good side and a bad side? Can we guess that? Maybe. Okay. So in Peru, Indiana, there is apparently a high society sect. And in 1989, Susan Grund comes to town and is going to run the high society. She's going to be the head snob, I guess, as it were. We get interviews with a few different people, which I now realize that in ID Network, if you don't get who they are from that first time, they won't tell you again. They're not going to walk you through it, Katie. They are not going to underestimate your intelligence. They think if you're watching ID, you're a smart cookie. And you immediately remember that man is a journalist. That guy is wrote a book on this subject. Can I make a suggestion? That, those are the two people that are always interviewed. A journalist and someone who wrote a book on the subject. And we've had a lot of nieces. We had a niece in this one, too. But can I just make a suggestion then if you are going to just tell us once what their relationship is to the victim or who they are, can you not do it in pink font over pink background? Because it was a little bit of a struggle for my aging eyes. I see. That's more what it was. No, I don't see. It was bad. On Dateline, they, they never do that. They just tell us in voice, in voiceover all the time. And this only tells you in written. They do it repeatedly. They'll be like, remember that guy, John, who wrote that book about it? We're coming back to him, viewers. Here he is again. Josh Mankiewicz always has our back. He knows how dumb we are. And so he'll keep reminding us who that person is. That is true. I appreciate it. Yeah, me too. I I need it. I'm not going to lie. So I don't know where they came from. I guess it doesn't really matter. But we need to know that Susan is 30 years old and Jim is 44. They buy a beautiful, huge house. Her? Really? 30? Yeah. Don't let that haircut fool you. Yeah, it's the haircut. We'll get to the haircut because I have a question. Did I say it was 1989? I hope I did because that's important. But they really don't go for that. They go for it in like the strangest ways. Like the cell phones are from the 80s. When did we see a cell phone? When she calls him at the bar. But there weren't cell phones in the 80s. I thought that was a landline. No, it was a little cell phone, but it was much more like a 
year 2000 cell phone than an 80s cell phone would be like. I don't even know what an 80s cell phone looks like. It's like the gray bricks, but even the Zach Morris phone was from the 90s. So I don't know even what the cell phone in the 80s looks like. I don't think there was a cell phone in the 80s. There wasn't a cell phone in the 80s. There was a car phone maybe in late 80s, but a, like a, a phone that you didn't have to have connected to power? Well, the guy was at the bar with his friends. She kept calling and they kept zooming in on the phone because he wasn't answering. Oh, you're right. I feel like this is maybe something to ask Jeeves later. I will. Okay. So in their beautiful new house, which turns out was custom made, I found out because I read a lot about this after, they custom built this crazy house and everyone was shocked in the area because it was $175,000. Apparently that's a huge amount of money to spend on a house in 89. And I was like, wow, sigh, that's lovely. And we are told that everything had to be New York white, not just yeah, white. Yeah, what does that mean? New York white. I feel like New York white is off white. Is that not correct? I've never heard that expression. I thought you would have. No. You know fashion. New York white is the new black. I don't know New York white. Well, I didn't know Pierre, so f- forget that. That's true. You kind of lost some credibility there. When I'm Googling New York... It's not a nice thing to say. But I'm sorry. When I, when I Google New York white... I'm literally getting how white is New York, New York white population, New York white pizza. Are you going to get flagged for being a supremacist? White Plains, New York. Okay. So what is New York white? Something that that reporter made up. So he wasn't a reporter. We have one crime writer interview that was looked like he had been out all night at a pub or a bar and had come into the interview in a shirt, and they had had to give him somebody else's blazer. Is that a good, does that? Yeah. Yeah. Like a sort of a four-day-old beard. Or he's just one of those writers that, like, is very high creative, and they just, you know, doesn't care. One of the two. Smells like gin. Yeah, probably. And cigars, maybe. So anyways, New York White seems to be just a fancy technical way of saying that Susan wanted everything neat and clean and just so. And let me tell you, nothing makes a house look dingier faster than an unsightly or smelly litter box situation. I agree. Where are my cat people at? That's right. We got a sponsor for the kitties. I see what you did there. Yeah, you're welcome. Kitty Poo Club. Kitty Poo Club is an all-in-one litter box solution designed to be convenient for you. Every month, Kitty Poo Club delivers an affordable, high-quality, recyclable litter box that's pre-filled with the litter of your choice. The boxes are super easy to set up. I did it in literally seconds. They're leak-proof, eco-friendly, and have a fun design for every season. So when the month is up, all you have to do is recycle the box, and Kitty Poo Club will automatically deliver a new one or ones to you. I have four boxes because I have four cats, but I cannot tell you four. What a life changer this is because I probably spend at least a half a day a month swapping out litter, scrubbing out the pan, and now I have an eco-friendly option for me that's affordable that it just comes to my door and it looks cute. So you can customize your order based on how many cats you have, what kind of litter they prefer, and Kitty Poo Club has a no-risk guarantee so you can easily customize or cancel your order at any time. And right now, Kitty Poo Club is offering you 20% off your first order when you set up auto-ship by going to kittypooclub.com and entering promo code DATELINE. 
Just go to kittypooclub.com and enter promo code DATELINE to get your 20% off when you set up AutoShip. And who wouldn't set up AutoShip? Because... It's like a subscription box for your cat's... For your cat's business. That's brilliant. It's the best idea. I wish I had thought of it. I can't take trademark on this. Kitty Poo Club beat me to it. Also, the name is Fire. It's great, right? So check out kittypooclub.com and don't forget to enter the code DATELINE at checkout. Dealing with your cat's stinky business just got meowvelous. That was weak sauce. You're weak sauce. <laughs> kitty poo, kitty poo, kitty poo poo. For real? For real? <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're going with meow kitty kitty poo club we're gonna work on a um slogan you don't need us to do it but we'll do it free of charge because that's uh we love to do that and we love kitty poo club so thank you so much check them out guys yay kitty poo i just like saying it i know i think you're just gonna start calling me that kitty poo katie if, if i see my name in your phone as kitty poo k i'm gonna be <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have hang words. on i just gotta do something really fast <laughs> So in this fancy new house in Peru, Susan was given a monthly allowance of $2,000 to buy things for herself in the house and also to look her best. And at this point, we're getting lots of reenactment of her brimping and like smiling at the camera, like almost a wink, like a slight, you know. So I'm kind of mad at myself because like Halfway through the episode, I decided to keep a tally of how many times she puts on lipstick in the mirror sensually. Oh, dang it. You ruined my thing. It wasn't until like halfway through. (laughs) She actually puts on lipstick a couple of times. The first time is here and it's in slow-mo. It's the first time is at the very, at the tippy top of the show within the first four minutes. We get her slow-mo putting on lipstick, but it's not red. This is the key. It's like a nude color. Oh, do you think it's a symbolic choice when it becomes red? Yes, I do. It's when she's more sensual. Yes, I've had that in here. That is what I think. I did want to discuss her hair a little bit because it's kind of, it's a really signature. I don't know how else to say it. It looks like a modified Kate Gosselin, right? Yes. Yeah. 1000%. Yeah. It's the Bob version of it. Not as bad. Not in the back as spiky. No, but because it's grown out. So it's a grown out Gosselin. We could call it that. We could coin that term. Grown out Gosling. Yeah. Yeah. Like very, like a bump it style with the high. Yeah, but it didn't ring to me late 80s. No, ma'am. That was my question. I don't think that existed then. But like if you had had a bob haircut, so like a chin length hairdo in that time period, would it maybe have looked like that? No, because from what I remember from the 80s and 80s movies and stuff, Mm -hmm. it was all about feathering and curls, crisp, crispy bangs it was not that sleek, flattened, iron, flat ironed hair. Okay. I have to take your word for it. I mean, I wasn't born, so I'll just take your, I'll just take your word for it. I'll show you some books from my um, high school graduation and I'll show you. Thank you, grandma. So anyway, Susan always got invited to the very best parties in Peru. We don't know about this society, the Peru society. Maybe there's like a university there and there's, you know, a group of people who consider themselves to be the elite of that town. That happens in a lot of small towns. Is Purdue in Peru? I don't think so. That would just be mean, right? That's confusing for no reason. But they tell us what she really cared about was her appearance. And now we get some very awkward reenactment footage of her 
she's clearly in a pageant, but it looks like she's in a pageant in a dream because we're only seeing her sort of walk in front of a black background with a very clearly homemade sash that says Miss Perfect, all in capital letters, and in a sort of drapey, silvery-colored dress. and Ill-fitting. I think it's the kind of dress that you have to see the whole thing because it doesn't make sense without it. It wasn't, like, form-fitting enough to be for a pageant. Not at all. Also, she's wearing a weird, like, headband thing. She's wearing a weird headband. It was also a bad choice for being in a pageant in your dreams because there were no other contestants also. No, it was just her. There might as well have been like a smoke machine. Kind of felt like that. And then she has this necklace that looked like 17 necklaces that were all together at her neck. And you, you don't wear that in a pageant, like any pageant. You don't wear like a collar of necklaces. Yeah, it's very confusing because that sash makes me think this was fake. But the voiceover tells us she really was in a pageant as Miss Indiana. Indiana. She entered the Miss Indiana pageant. Mrs. Indiana. Did it say Mrs.? The sash said Mrs. Yeah. I thought, no, it said Miss Perfect. No, I swear it said Mrs. And they said she entered the Mrs. Indiana pageant. Why did I? Because she was married. Because remember her husband's on the sides? Yeah, of course. And they said, like, she won the admiration of her husband, and that's all that mattered. Interesting. Unless they give out, like, a Miss Congeniality and a Miss Perfect sash, you're just perfect. You're not going to win, but we think you're perfect. I must have really wanted to see that because that's what I saw. No, I believe you, but that's why, because it was like a dream thing. But I just don't get it because they said she really was in a pageant. Yeah, I think they just couldn't do it. Maybe it said Peru. Mrs. Peru. No, I think it's just supposed to be symbolic. I think what we were looking at was like a symbolic representation of something that actually happened of a pageant. Right. Because we don't have the budget to actually. Yes. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, that makes sense. So but also we could have seen this in a picture. Do a glossy eight by ten headshot of her in a crown with like Miss Indiana on the bottom. But then we wouldn't get our epic shot at the very end. (laughs) That's true. 100% correct. And that was worth everything. Okay, good. If it was worth it to you, then you're the target audience. That's good. It did. It made me laugh It did it for you? Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Also, we should say this actress does, uh, I think, does a perfectly fine job. She has a really pretty face and she had to do some difficult things. So I'm going to give her major props through this because it would be a lot of stuff that I would not want to do. So she did it. So, yeah. It seemed odd to me. I wrote down that she was 30 and entering Miss Indiana, but it makes a lot more sense now that you said that it's Mrs. We finally sort of are introduced to Jimmy Grund, Jim or Jimmy, who, like I said, is 44. And he is also Susan's fourth husband. Okay. And she was 30 at this time. Yeah, that's a lot of husbands in... In a short period of time. Saying she got married at the earliest at 16 in 14 years. Yeah. So every three or so years. She not only would get divorced, but she would get remarried. That's fast. That's very fast. They got married in 1984. She had four husbands before 1984. And this takes place in 89 when she was 30. So so she was 24 when and she already had four husbands? She was 26. That's impossible. You're right. She was 24. It was 1984. And this is 1989. So it would have been... four. That doesn't even seem possible to get married and divorced 
every single year, practically. If she started at 18, let's say. We're going to have to say 16. She's going to have to say 16. We have to say 16. We have to say 16. But what if one of them was a couple months long? I didn't write down all the husbands. Like a Britney Spears Vegas wedding. Kim Kardashian. But you could annul. Yeah. Nullment is probably faster than a divorce. And then you can maybe get married again sooner. It's very possible that two of those were annulled. They were very fast. So we'll see. I don't have information on that. But Jimmy is a third generation lawyer. His daddy and his daddy's daddy were lawyers. It's a long line of them. And they all had a practice in Peru. So good for them. He had lots and lots of money is what that means. And she is very excited that he has lots and lots of money because we are told that she grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, the poor side of the tracks. That part was another one of my favorites. What? Because they're doing their smiling, you know, in the in this show throughout, they pose in front of like they're having their picture taken with whoever they're being talked about, like different members of the family come and go and stuff. It's a family portrait. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a family portrait, but like it's like the 90 Day Fiance intro pieces, like when they're mad at each other, you can tell they're mad at each other. But if they're like happy, then they look happy. So she's all happy and smiling. And then the narrator is like, she grew up on the wrong side of the tracks and grew up poor. And she, the actress who's supposed to be like in a picture frame, basically, like in her family portrait, looks at the camera and just like glares as if she's pissed off at the narrator for doing that voiceover. That is really funny. I got a little outside information on that. Not much, but it is, it's the truth. The, the grew up poor. So she is very into Jimmy's money. Up until now, throughout the whole reenactment, she's been wearing unbelievably formal clothing inside of her home. What did you think of the white jacket with the huge heavy rhinestones on the shoulders? The Bob Mackie special? Yeah. It seemed heavy. It would weigh you down. Yeah, they were heavy. The old ones are heavy. Like those beaded jackets are very heavy. I would. I don't know why she's wearing it inside. It seems really uncomfortable. She's wearing like a dress with matching jacket. And it's this white. It's all white. New York white, in fact. <laughs> and then she's wearing sort of party dresses. And inside she's wearing, I mean, she's never in pants. She's always like. No, she's never. No. Like she's going to go. But not even like she's going to go out. Like she's going out to an event. She's just around the house doing it. Yeah. No. She's just like literally straightening her house in lots of in jewelry. heels and like fancy. Yeah, she. I guess you have to be ready if someone wants to come calling at a moment's notice. Yeah, I'm going to start doing that. I'll, I'll see. I'll do a test run. That's what we all thought. And then 2020 quarantine happened and we all realized it's all pajamas all the time. Fake it till you make it. For me, at least. I'm not speaking for you. I told you five pairs of sweatshorts. They just switch off. I'm out, <laughs> actually. I'm on my last ones today. That's a lot, actually. Yeah, because I cut up all my sweatpants. So now as it's starting to get colder, I'm a little nervous because I don't actually have sweatpants anymore. <laughs> so I've, I may have, I've made a huge mistake. Been, yeah. so, <laughs> so <laughs> anyways, when they got married, like I said, in 1984, she, they both had children from previous marriages. We don't get to find out anything about her children, not even their names, Yes, they do not appear in this episode. Where are the children? But that's okay. (laughs) David was the one that we get to meet, and that's Jimmy's son. And he's grown up-ish, 18. I don't know. I can't tell. Jimmy and David have like that typical father-son relationship where he'll lavish money on the new wife, and he won't give any money to David, probably because he wants him to learn the value of a dollar. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Just won't. Eventually, David moves out of the house. I guess it seems like 
from the reenactment that Jimmy and Susan had had an argument because she had stuck up for David. And Jimmy told her to mind your own business. That didn't really go anywhere. Suffice to say, David moved out. And Susan apparently needed to get back in his good graces because he, she had taken David's side in an argument. It was an awkward transition. It's okay. This is what they're trying to tell us is that to get back in, in Jimmy's good graces, she decided to take sexy semi-nude pictures of herself in the boudoir. Boudoir pictures. Which were not sexy so much to me. The poses were not that sexy. I, again, here's where I'm going to say the actress, my a tip of the hat to you, because I would not want to do that scene. I would not want to do a lot of the scenes that are coming, but posing for sexy photos in like a slip. They were actually fairly tame for some of the ones I've seen on ID. Some of them, it's like, it's really hard to tell. Like there's lots of close up quick shots and you're like, they might actually be naked or with just like flesh colored things on that we're not supposed to see. But like these seemed more like not even as sensual as like, I guess kind of like a soap opera would have where there's just lots of stroking, like a finger just stroking up and down a shaved male chest, that kind of thing. See, to me, that's worse. That's worse. It, is, it might be worse than like actually full on making out sex scenes. Yeah. No, I think that's worse because quick shots, I have been in a room when quick shots are done and it is just like literally it's done in 15 minutes. It's very, very fast because they just need this camera here, this camera here, that, 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 and then you're done. So you don't really even do anything. It's just like they need that look. You're just sort of, I don't know. I This was, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. And of course, it's my most uncomfortable thing. So I'm trying. I'm trying to become a mature adult and be able to watch sensual things on television. <laughs> you can assign these episodes to me if you want the really sensual ones like they assign them all to dennis murphy i was fine with it when i watched it the first time and then when i went back to recap it i was like there's so much sensuality it's so sensual i didn't notice the first time apparently so anyways susan took all her sexy pictures and would leave them in strategically around for jimmy to kind of find them like in his brief briefcase or i don't know in the fridge and it seemed like the kind of thing that you sort of wanted him to get caught with one of these photos. It's like a show-offy thing. Does that make sense? Yes, like she wanted his co-workers to see what a hot wife. Right. Yeah, maybe. I could see that. Mm -mm. It's really weird. And another thing that was weird is at all these society parties, I guess her PDA level was off the charts and she would not leave him alone and was like cuddling him and like trying to like kiss his neck and just in a like just too much and it's overkill so after a while he does what you do when someone's all over you constantly and he starts to pull away i didn't think that happened as much with men when a woman is like constantly wanting to give you sex i think because it's not just constantly wanting to give you that it's more constantly that she needed it and so that makes her needy gotcha therein lies the issue mm-hmm so he starts to pull away and spend more time with his friends at the bar. And according to, I don't remember, maybe the crime writer, their steamy sex life went cold. And Susan didn't like that very much. She wasn't going to leave Jimmy just because he wasn't as hot for her anymore. But she still was a very sensual woman. She had, say, do you, were you about to say it? What? Needs or desires? Which one? She had an itch to scratch. Oh, did they say that? Yes, they did. <laughs> Ew. 
<laughs> yeah. Like the... <laughs> so she heads out into the world to find herself a strapping young man to do the business with. Emphasis on young. Emphasis on, for sure. We'll get there. She's trying to pick up some guy in a bar in the reenactment, and it's very, literally comes in the door, walks up to him and says, hi, can I buy you a drink? And then waves her finger to Garcon, like, yeah, it was like, is that, is it that easy? Is that what I should be doing? It might be that easy. Have you ever tried that? It's very direct. Because then they're like in the hotel room. No, I have not. It's very direct. Does it work? Does it matter if he has a girlfriend or not? You don't even care. She doesn't even ask. I don't think she cares. She doesn't care. She's married. Right. Doesn't matter. Speaking of being direct, I'm going to be direct about my health. Ooh. I'm going to tell my health what I want to know. Those are strong words. It hasn't thus far. But once I know more about my health, then I can start bossing it around and telling it what to do. And I can know more about my health by using Everly Well. Yes. I used Everly Well, these at-home tests, a few months ago to find out my food sensitivities. Now I just got my results from my allergy test. Fascinating results. I'm going to keep them to myself. But real thinkers. I'm going to have to make some lifestyle changes. Were cats on the list? Let's say I am not allergic to cats, so it turns out I'm just not fond of them. (laughs) So besides food sensitivity and allergies, Everly Well has thyroid health, heart health. I think that's the one you did. Heart health, yes. I'm basically working my way through all of their tests because knowledge is power. It's good to know about your body. Everly Well tests are shipped to your door with easy-to-follow instructions. You prick your finger, squeeze your finger onto the little card. You send it in to the certified lab. It's reviewed by a board-certified physician. The results are sent to you digitally within days. Also, I had some questions about how to do the elimination diet last time, and they were so good on email, like so helpful, emailing me back within minutes with answers. That's the best. Love it. For 20% off an Everly Well at-home test, visit everlywell.com forward slash date dateline and enter code date dateline. That's everlywell.com forward slash date dateline, code date dateline for 20% off your test. Everly Well at-home lab test, your answers, your way. I'm a huge fan of Everly Well. I love them. They're a fantastic company. Do you think they're hiring? (laughs) Because... I want to help people get answers. Is this your way of telling me that you're leaving the podcast? I am. I'm going to work for Everly Well. Oh, okay. They haven't offered me a job yet, so I'm just going to go stand outside their office until they hire me. I mean, I can't say I don't get it. Check yeah. them out, guys. They're a great company. Because Everly One should be Everly Well. Everly Well. <laughs> yes, that's beautiful. That's there we go. perfect. They're meowless. thanks everly well thank you so this is the point where we also see her putting on the red lipstick in the mirror Mm. reminiscent perhaps of a scarlet letter as she is about to embark on adultery are we supposed to think that red lipstick is like the s word is that what they're trying what are they trying to imply with the red lipstick power-hungry, sensual woman. It's not like a demure pink. Red is like, I know what I want. It's a power color, yeah. And I'm going to get it. And it's a sex color. Are we supposed to think she's evil? No, I don't think... Eh, See? Maybe? Hard to know, right? Yeah. I mean, Taylor Swift always rocks a red lip, and I think she's pure as Driven Snow. So. Oh, okay. I mean, in that she's not a murderer. Yeah. Not that she's not sexual. Sensual. You said those words a lot. 
in this episode. I think that, Adam, if you want to keep a tally of how many times Kimberly says sexual and sensual, ding, ding, just a bell. That would be great. That's a lot. It's a lot of time. So she is at these bars picking up other men, uh, apparently. We're getting some sexy reenactments of her in underwears and still wearing the largest necklace I've ever seen. Is she covering something? Why? Does she have a tattoo right there? <gasps> the actress, you think? Yeah. And she had it covered when she went into her casting. And so now she has to just keep covering it. I have no idea. I don't know why they're keeping her in these huge necklaces. And it seems to be the same one over and over again. What's that story with the, it's the ghost and has like the thing around her neck. Cause when she takes it off, her head falls off. What? It's like a ghost story. And what does she have around her neck? A ribbon? Like a ribbon or something. Yeah, it's a ribbon. Well, that's scary. Yeah. Ooh. Is that in a movie? It's either in a movie or like a Shel Silverstein poem. I love that. That's like, could be shocking. And I'm not thinking of nearly headless Nick before anyone asks. Okay. It is a female and I believe it's a ribbon. Interesting. Okay. I got to ask Jeeves about that. That makes me curious. So if the necklace during sexy time is not happening in real life, but it's an interesting choice. Oh, it's like the red lady from Game of Thrones too. She had the necklace that when she took it off... She became old. She became real, real old. Yeah, that's right. So she starts to not just have sex with men behind her husband's back. She starts to flirt with men in front of his back, like at these society parties. And women are sitting in chairs and talking about her because she's so brash about the whole thing. And Jimmy is seeing it, but he's kind of just ignoring it. And he's ignoring her, too. He's not... He doesn't really care, which also sort of means he's over her Mm -hmm. to me. But she's kind of starts to go overboard and has many, many, many partners. And we see her on the bed while we get a montage of about five different men putting on their jackets like they're getting dressed. They're done. So it's various states of getting dressed again. But they are all under the age of 25. Seriously. One looks like he just had his bar mitzvah. And he was wearing his bar mitzvah suit. There's one who turned 18 yesterday, maybe. It was an interesting choice because I don't think that's how it was. I think she did have a lot of partners, but I never read anything about them being extraordinarily young. It just seemed like a, then it, that seems like an odd choice, specifically like the extras that they got or the actors, whatever. They're, they all look really young. So unless that was an accident... Here's my thought. Did they have a casting call for David, but only for David? And so they picked actors that had also auditioned for the role of David, the son. David, the husband? The son. Oh, the son. Jimmy's the husband. Maybe. And so then they used just from that pool because they didn't want to do two calls or they forgot to do two calls. That's entirely possible. They should have done it for people to play Jimmy, the dad. That would have made more sense, right? Although maybe she really did like the younger guys. Maybe so. I don't know. I can't tell that. And she is only 30. It just seems like they're much younger than her. And she has the Gosselin haircut, the grown the grown out Gosselin. The Gosselin haircut, the grown out Gosselin. It adds like eight years to her. The Gog. Yeah. The G-O-G. The Gog. Uh-huh. Yeah. Adds a solid seven to nine years. 
to anyone. Doesn't matter. I don't care who you are. Oh, no. It, she looks great. It's not her. It's the haircut. So she is having all these partners, these young men, and she has just... She decides that, well, she still wants to be the head of society, right? But now people are looking at her with a funny eye. But she decides that what's going to help her is to start a Wednesday night dinner club and invite all these young men that she was sleeping with to the dinner club. I don't get this at all. Like, there's no other society members there. So they can interact with each other, all these boys, these Freshman boys? Yeah, I would have liked 30 more seconds of clarification on the Wednesday night dinner. I didn't understand. I think the whole purpose of that scene is for her to say we should be keeping abreast of government policies or something. And then the one boy snickers and bites his lip in a sensual way when he hears the word abreast. And I think that was the whole point was just for that joke. That actor bit his lip like three times. <laughs> and that also makes me uncomfortable. So I had to look away. Also because he has a wispy mustache, like he is in junior high. Yeah, I didn't see the wispy. I was watching on my phone. He has a wispy mustache. I saw something. Yeah. Are you sure? Can we get confirmation on that? I'm worried. Oh, no. I'll have to check. Oh, no. Okay. All right. We got to move on. I can't. So... After, you know, a little while of this, these shenanigans, it's the summer of 1990, and she has set her sights on someone closer to home. She's burned through all the men in town is basically what they're trying to say. And David is looking very attractive. So David and stepmommy start having these long lunches. Okay, it's at this point that I'm going to start adding the words allegedly, because this part of the story may not be true. Oh, interesting. Very not true, according to David. Oh, interesting. So we get some very awkward scenes between David and Susan. It's one of those actual, like, lick your thumb and rub someone's face. <laughs> so I don't know what we're supposed to think like that. She didn't... No, because he was eating a PB&J. She made him a PB&J because he's so young. And then he had a crumb on his lip and she had to lick it off like half like a mom does and half in a sensual way like a lover would. So here's my thought on that. If you were going to do that and you needed to make that look sensual, the, the look of the thumb <laughs> and the rub, that's not sexy. No, it's how Joni does it. Like I can still feel it on my face when I had schmutz and she would lick it. So why wouldn't you just lick your index finger and then do a slow wipe with the index finger seems sensual. Is David the one when she's in bed with where she puts his hand on her lip and drags it down on her lips in a sexual manner? So no, that is it's the not. But Kimberly, I didn't I'm not going to be I'm not going to lie. I didn't carefully watch the sensual scenes. I didn't look away, but I did fog my eyes like when you squint at something. I don't like it. <laughs> so I did. I think it might have been David, say. and it was a juxtaposition. First, she licked the crumbs off his face, and then she holds his finger and licks her mouth. I'm going to put a warning on this episode. This is a highly sens sensual episode. <laughs> so if anybody has problems watching intimacy on a screen, warning. I just honestly like didn't at all because I found it so unsexy. 
So like it didn't make me uncomfortable. If I had found it the slightest bit sexy, then I probably would have gotten super uncomfortable, especially knowing that I had to discuss it with you later on and our listeners. That's not why I found it uncomfortable. This is the height of uncomfortable, embarrassed for someone. This is the (laughs) highest it can go for me. The actors, you mean? Correct. Okay. So I'm just like, oh, God, oh, God. Yeah, no, you're a very empathetic person. You met that person that day and you're like, okay, okay. Like, oh, my God. This was a good gig for them. They were happy to get this gig. That's probably true. Okay. It's on ID Network. Yeah, that's true. They probably were. All right, good. And they did a good job. It, it was definitely, it could have been really bad and it was not really bad. It was absolutely fine. There was nothing wrong with the sexy scenes. So... Anyways, the rumor mill's going crazy about young stepson David and his sexy mom. It's a little funny. We're back like sort of in a fake party, but the party's always at the same house and the same two girls are always talking, except this time one of them put on a cardigan. <laughs> so we're supposed to think it's a different day. That was that made me uncomfortable, but that's fine. They're all sort of buzzing about her possibly like doing naughty things with her stepson. And so Jimmy catches wind that this might be going on. And so one day in 1992, David and Susan allegedly are going to town in an upstairs bedroom and Jimmy walks in in the middle of the day to surprise his wife for lunch, but also maybe catch her in the act. And there is a scene, a reenactment enactment of David and Susan scrambling to put clothes on. The bed is like a mess and Jimmy walks in the bedroom and they're sitting on this little tiny like settee, like this little you know, bench couch at the end of the bed, just sitting there together with the bed completely in tatters. And the door closed behind the them. Yeah, and the door closed. Totally normal. Very strange. And Jimmy's like, what's going on here? And she's like, nothing. My, he just stopped by for a family visit or something to that effect. If he were trying to catch them, he really shouldn't have used his heaviest footsteps as he was going up the walk. He's pounding up those stairs, giving them ample time to get out of bed. She gets her dress zipped up in the back. I feel like she did have time to make the bed quickly because he is like so loud. He was even loud when he closed the front door. He's not so good at the stealthy. Neither one of them are good because the best case scenario would have been open the bedroom door immediately, have her look like she's making the bed for the day and have him at the other end of the room just talking to her. But having them sitting together at the end on that little bench is the most obvious thing you could have done. I think the best case scenario is he dives under the bed, hides. No, but his car's there. Then you say he walked to the corner store. No, is store. there a bathroom attached to that master bedroom? I mean, I thought bathroom too, but I feel like the odds are the dad might say, I have to go to the bathroom. That's fine. No, I mean, have the son like flush the toilet as Jimmy walks in. But why would he be in their ensuite bathroom? Because they had just been talking and he had to pee all of a sudden. Yeah, maybe. Although he said she makes the bed every morning and this was like lunchtime. So I'm sure... It- It doesn't matter because the dad doesn't really do anything. He, like, acts like he believes her. Yeah, it's kind of the end. It's kind of just what they tell us is that's the beginning of the end. Yeah. That is one of the situations that happened. Now, that's all alleged. I don't know if that actually happened. This next one definitely happened. Jimmy comes home drunk a couple weeks later after a night of drinking with his friends, can't find his key to get into the house, and breaks a window to get in comes inside and he's bleeding and she's 
like she doesn't do the right reaction, which is, oh, my God, are you OK? Your hand. What happened? That she's like, how dare you? Did the neighbors see you? She's embarrassed because of the appearances factor. It's pretty sad. I probably would be, too, if he broke the window to get into the house instead of just knocking. I think if someone was bleeding, the first thing you'd say is, oh, my gosh, or, oh, you idiot. What are you doing? Why didn't you ring the doorbell? Yeah, I'd be like, what the hell did you do? Yeah, but I think the neighbors would be second or third, not Yeah, maybe. First. My main concern was that his eyes were so swollen, like he had been bitten by as many bees in the movie My Girl. So if here's the thing. They needed to make him look drunk, not like he'd been doing cocaine for six days, which is what he looked like, that he was the most strung out he's ever been in his life. Maybe they were like intimating that, but that's alleged. I never saw any evidence that Jimmy did was doing that. But that's yeah. what he looked like, right? He looked insane. No, I thought he looked like he was like they were almost swollen shut. It was really intense. So in July of that year... After all this nonsense, Jimmy decides to get a divorce attorney and draw up divorce papers. He confronts her and tells Susan that this is over. And she says in the reenactment, you can't divorce me. I thought we were getting counseling. As she's filing her nails, because they had to have her doing like the most superficial thing in the world. Yeah, they really did. They also had her in a sweater in July, but that's okay. And so... That was her most casual outfit, I thought. That was. She was in jeans. And she had like not bright lipstick on. It was like... Yeah. No, she's only wearing red in the sexy scenes. That's the only time she's in red. But she's wearing frosted in a lot of the other scenes. Yes, she is. But in this scene, it's like nude. Like almost like she's not wearing lipstick. Oh, I did not notice that. Okay, so thought she was in the frosted. Interesting. So this is a little confusing because they sort of leave a gap in the story right here where he tells her he wants to get a divorce and he has the papers ready. She says counseling, but he says, no, it's over. But he doesn't file the papers. And that's kind of important. He says, I, I just have to file them. Yeah. So in real life, they were going on a vacation. They had planned an Alaskan vacation with their children. So They were going to do the vacation and then he was going to come back and file the papers. They weren't. So I think it was also maybe in his mind, like, maybe I'll change my mind. Maybe this trip will show me something. So that's what really happened. But nothing went right. But as we've seen on Dateline, don't tell someone you're about to file the papers and then they won't be getting your money. Don't tell them until you've already done it. Especially not Susan. So in August now... Susan comes home one night from visiting with her mom, and it's a little before midnight when she gets in. She comes in the bedroom, and her husband, Jimmy's watching TV on that little couch bench, and she thinks that he's just asleep. He sometimes falls asleep there watching TV. Sitting straight up. Exactly. He doesn't slouch at all when he's sleeping. Oh, that's right. And on closer look, though, she sees that there's blood. And so, unfortunately, Jimmy's not just asleep. He is to sleep for chance to dream and in that okay anyways he's dead he be dead he has a gunshot one gunshot wound to the head she calls the police the police arrive and susan immediately starts telling them that she thinks that this was a burglary gone wrong that he interrupted a burglary there's like a suitcase on the floor there's clothes everywhere strewn about and it looks like he had walked in at the wrong time the cops think of course that the scene looks staged and there is this one very awkward photo sitting on his leg of her 
scantily clad. One of her sexy time photos. I don't understand that. We'll get to it. I wrote down, I am praying that that actually happened. That there was a scantily clad photo of her resting on his leg while he's sitting straight up on this couch. It's not great. And then they do a search of the room and find under the couch a single shell casing. And the shell casing matches a gun that belongs to da, 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 David, the son. Jimmy's son and Susan's alleged lover boy. Jimmy and David had, like I said before, had a difficult relationship. Mother boy, lover boy. The cops call in David down to the station and he tells them that he did have that gun. But about a month ago on the 4th of July, the gun had been stolen. So I guess on the 4th of July, he had had a friendly visit from his stepmommy. Were there fireworks? I'm just trying to make no. I'm going to say no. Uh, this story we're telling it, yes, but no. Okay. He says that she was asking about the gun, and then she even held the gun, and then when he came back later that day, the gun was gone. So the gun was stolen on very strangely the same day that she had come asking after the gun. The show doesn't tell us that, but that's what I read how that interaction happened. So I was sort of surprised that the cops believed him, to be honest, but apparently they do. I mean, people say that all the time, that my gun got stolen. I feel like we hear that a lot on Dateline, right? Yeah, that's true. I guess, where is the money? Qui bono, as Dennis Murphy taught me, who benefits? No, he didn't teach you that. You stated very clearly in the podcast that you knew it. Knew it already. Don't go back on that. Was David in the will anymore? Or was she supposed to get everything? So that might help the police decide if they were believing him or not. I'm so sorry. He also had other children. Right. So they were all in the well. I guess if the police knew that they were had a divorce pending, she would be the most likely suspect, not the son. Right. Of course. Well, and his friend who drew up the divorce papers knew that, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe knew about the gossip that they were sleeping together, too. Probably. But then I would suspect maybe they were in on it together, the son and the mom. I don't know how much gossip there was. I feel like that may have come out. We'll get to it. I think the timing of this is different than how this story is being told. Okay, so about a month after the murder takes place, Susan confides in her only confidant in the world, who is her sister Darlene, that she had actually shot Jimmy. They are having like a Folgers moment in the kitchen in the reenactment and just says, drops the, I shot Jimmy. That's <laughs> So casually, like, I decided to take tennis lessons. <laughs> I shot Jimmy and the sister goes, oh my God. Good job to the sister. Better reaction. Right. She did great. You weren't given enough to do that emotional response and you still brought it. So good. But there w- should have been a moment of like, what? Or, huh? Wait, what did you say? And instead she is immediately believes her and, and has disgust. You know what I'm saying? I think you're exactly right. Like she told you something so unbelievable that there should have maybe been a couple minutes of like, what? No. Oh, what? So here's the story. Susan had come home from her mother's, like she said, found Jimmy asleep, not dead, found him asleep on that little chair, shot him and then staged the scene and hid the gun in a teddy bear in storage. Like it hollowed out a teddy bear and put the gun inside. Smart. Is it? The teddy bear? Well, there's probably a better way to get rid of a gun. Yeah, there is. 
because she does a better way right after that. We just don't hear about it in the episode. That's actually how they get her is the gun. I don't know why they don't tell us. It's interesting, actually, what happens to the gun. Wait, but why did she stage the scene like that? This is what I don't understand. If she's trying to make it look like a burglary and she keeps telling the cops, oh, there's clothes everywhere and a suitcase. I think someone broke in, tried to steal stuff. Why would there be her half-naked pictures all over the place? This is how she got on the cops' radar because it was so weird how the scene was staged. Number one, he's on that little chair couch and clearly the TV is on. There's a remote in front of him and a bunch of bills and like a pen and paper and stuff. He's working on this little table. So the burglars would have had to not know he was in there, come in, surprise him, and then ransack the room, but not take anything. Also, do people usually use your own suitcases to steal your things? Maybe. It's kind of smart. Suitcases are expensive. Maybe. Can any burglars let us know? Yeah. Let Is us that know. common? I'm not sure. It was really bad, though. It was really, really poorly staged. And for some reason, these burglars decided to throw around naked pictures of her all askew like she was a murder victim on a dateline and they're scattered on a picnic table and everyone's looking at these loose leaf photos. So weirdly, I think that's just her showing off again. Yeah, I think so, too. It's so creepy to me. It's so weird and narcissistic. It makes my stomach hurt even more. That's how gross she is. But she was also, the minute the police walked in, started going on and on about the burglary theory. And the police were like, no, we we think we're going to look in a different direction. She wouldn't shut up about it, apparently. Right. And that's always on Dateline. Not good. Giving an unsolicited opinion on what you think happened. But the really how she got caught was that Darlene came forward. The sister comes forward and turned her in. Oh, my God. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the her first trial ends in a hung jury, which is bananas. And I want to know more. Really? Yeah. You didn't hear that? How would I have heard that? It was on the thing. They said they told us. In oh. The show. <laughs> oh, the first. Oh, they told us. Yeah. So the first trial is a hung jury. And the second trial, she's found guilty and is given 60 years, which is the maximum in prison. And she is apparently still appealing her case. And her first eligible release date is dun, 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 May 6, 2020. So it already passed. Yeah. I don't think she's And she out. didn't get released. I don't think so. Not that I could tell. She didn't get released. She did try to sue some people in court because her implants were having a lot of problems. That's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, sad for her. No, it's the first thing that came up. She reminded me of Pamela Smart in a weird way. I think because the photos, the pose is exactly the same on the bed. But also because we discussed if criminals usually maintain their innocence the whole time, if that really means that they are innocent or not. But she still maintains her innocence, right? Mm-hmm. But the only other person, well, I guess it could have been any of her chi- his children or business people, but it was the gun. And it was, she was the one who was near the gun, who got the gun from the son. Unless it was the son. And he's lying. No. So when Darlene came forward, Darlene had helped her move the gun because she had put the gun in like a Christmas teddy bear in the Christmas storage boxes at the house where you keep like Christmas decorations. They took the teddy bear to their mom's house. And the mom, who's Nettie or Nellie or something like that, she also knew. And they put the gun in one of those like metal buckets and poured 70 pounds of cement on it. So the mom and the sister helped her cover it. But then the sister 
ended up going to the police. And the mom did too. The mom also caved. So they couldn't live with themselves. Right. Interesting. The way that the David affair came out was at the first trial, which is, I think, why it was a hung jury. She said that they had been having an affair. She basically shifted all of the blame during her testimony to David Mm -hmm. because she said it was his gun. They had been having an affair for the past two years. So she gave the jury reasonable doubt. And David has denied vehemently that he has ever had any sensual contact with her. He said she was trying, but it never happened. Hmm. It was disgusting. I wonder if any of these other boys testified. So I know they throw around the word nymphomaniac in this, but she actually did kind of have a problem. Mm-hmm. The married four it times. sounds like it. Most of them ended because she was having like many affairs. Mm. Yeah. So it's like a need for attention from men kind of thing. Or a sexual addiction. Definitely could be. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. And there's a lot of stuff about her children. Where I read this was murderpedia.org. It has the whole breakdown of her case. But it also talked about one of her children who she had actually been imprisoned for child abuse. She had been in prison? Yes. In between one of her, or while she was married to one of those, for abusing one of her children. And she had told Jimmy it was all of this, like, no, I was railroaded and blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God. She's a monster. She's pretty much a monster. So here's what she said in the first trial. The trial's best tabloid TV moments came from relatives of the victim and the accused. Susan Grund had to testify, of course, tried to explain why she had hidden the gun, came up with a doozy of an explanation. Susan testified that she arrived home the night of blur, 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 found her husband, called 911, said the murder weapon was lying on the floor. She recognized it as David's gun. Oh, and then hid it and to hit protect it for him. him. Right. I thought he might have something to do with it. And then questioned further, she blurted out through tears that she was concerned for David because we had had an affair and explained that she had been having sex with her stepson for two years. She added, he had said he was going to get rid of his dad. David Grund finished undergraduate school at Indiana University a few months before the trial began. He went to law school. The son did. It's really sweet. He's in the practice now, the family practice. David treated his stepmother's assertions with steely contempt. The first words he spoke were, I never had an affair with that woman. She's a liar. She's always been a liar. Oh, no, that was Darlene who said that. Darlene said she's a liar. She's always been a liar. The sister said that. The sister said it. Wow. So there you go. In the second trial, it says every single person that came on the stand said that Susan Grund was a pathological liar. Yeah. And apparently there's a snapped on this. Oh. Crazy, right? I'm not that really because there are only so few murders to go around. Yeah. I'm surprised there aren't more repeats. They said that there's an interview with her from somebody from the ID network. Here we go. However, she was featured in a 2010 prison interview for the ID channel where she sat down with former FBI agent Candace DeLong. Candace DeLong is the character that Clarice Starling was based on. Mm-hmm. So she's really maintaining her innocence. Yeah. She said that, and DeLong said that Susan Grund is a delusional narcissist and expressed deep skepticism about Grund's recollection of events. Wow. She's interesting. Yeah. She's a piece of work. Also, the picture is funny of her. She doesn't look like how you expect it. She does have sort of a bob, a shorter one, but of course it's that 80s like curl. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Not the straight hair. She looks so annoyed when she's doing her mugshot. 
Like she's rolling her eyes. It's so overdone, but like kind of in a great way. It's pure camp. It's super fun. Do your moment. Tell your moment. How does it end? So at the end, she's waving her arms in her Miss Mrs. Indiana pageant, whatever. And then she's arrested, you know, but then so she kind of like puts her arm down and just glares at the screen. So it's like it's pretty great. It's pretty funny. And I think she is kind of mean. She wants what she wants right now. But that was a fun episode. Thank you for recommending The Secret Lives of Stepford Wives. Thank you. I'm so excited. I love it. Perfect knife. Perfect. Perfect wife. Perfect life. Perfect knife. That's how it sounds in Katie's head. It's just like that Lord of the Rings thing. Yeah. When I, oh, I say the same thing. Great. Where are we going? would always say like how she heard this one part of the Lord of the Rings thing. She showed it to me and I was, it wasn't really like that at all. At all. And then she and our other friends who I think agreed with you thought that there was like some sort of magical DVD that like somehow changed the way that one line was shown each time you played it. Like it, or it was like a Mandela effect thing where like everyone remembered it being one way. It's like those, those lines, those movie lines that we all have wrong. There are a bunch of articles with them. Like, society remembers them as one way, and it's totally not the way they happened at all. But, like, we always remember them that way. So Yeah, it's really bad. I'm glad that this wasn't that serious. It was, like, not as dramatic as I made it sound or remembered it. No, it definitely was louder. That Thank word you. was louder. I, and I will take that as a... It's just punch. No, so you would have gone, like, way lower, like a whisper almost? I would have done a whisper. I would have gone... Same, same on perfect and just taking it down. Okay, perfect wife, perfect knife. Almost, a little bit louder, like a little more full voiced. Perfect knife. Yeah, just like that, because then it's like a mystery. Do you know what I'm saying? And especially because of the visuals that we're getting is they're pulling back to reveal a dinner table where she looks like she's serving dinner to her husband, who, of course, is as they reveal that he's knifed in the back. Think about how effective that would be with it quiet. But the ID network doesn't do subtlety that much. They go the opposite direction. This is why I would not have been hired for that gig, because I would have been arguing. Right. You were like, let's make it really artsy and like an indie project <laughs> where no one really gets the meaning of it. And they're like, we don't do that. We do a show for moms whose kids are screaming in the other room and they're trying to ignore them. And so they're only half watching and we need them to be able to follow what's going on. So that's the kind of show we're doing here. Obvious is our bread and butter. I want to do like a Wes Anderson with a touch of Kubrick <laughs> and like just meld... The two. Yeah. With like a little bit of. Angly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed this double date. Continue to wear a mask. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Perfect knife. <laughs> Here's the question. Can you come back from a gog? Yeah, you can grow out a gog. You might have to change your part completely, though and like start over. There'll be like a rebuilding year, like after a team like does really poorly and like needs to get new players and stuff. And it's a rebuilding year. I feel like that's what you need to do for your hair after you get a gog. Here's my question. I have seen pictures of Kate Gosselin without 
her signature hair. And I can't picture her with any other hair but that hair. So that's more what I'm asking is, can you come back after having it that in a way that looks normal, that people can't only see you with the Karen haircut? It's like the hair cut is so iconic that it infuses your very cellular DNA. So even though you don't have that hair anymore, people are seeing that. That's quite possible. That's worthy of a a science fair project, at least, if not a thesis of some sort. Maybe in the spirit of Halloween, we could write a ghost story about this. That, like, (laughs) you keep trying to change the haircut and it keeps reverting (laughs) back to the gog. It, like, changed. You wake up in the morning and it's changed itself back. It's like Tim Allen with Santa Claus. He's trying to shave it, but yeah, it just comes back. It returns to the natural gog state. Brilliant. Trademark Katie Kimberly. That's good. 